All right, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you joining us online today, we understand. We know that everyone here could find nothing to wear this morning. Is that post-Thanksgiving bloat that made your morning less than desirable and you still showed up? Thank you. Uh, and if you're watching online, our rock house, we miss you today. And we love you. I want to, uh, I want to bring you something. We've been, we've been going through a bit of a series about getting closer to God starting something new today, and I want to take you into the book of John. Now, not yet, not yet, but I want to take you into the book of John, and I want to tell you that um, there's something unique about the book of John. Now, you say, what the heck is the book of John? So, your Bible, and if you don't have one, by the way, that's okay. We didn't expect you to have your life together. We didn't expect you to have a Bible, none of that. In fact, we have Bibles for you as you exit today. Uh, there are Bibles uh, for you that are, are free. Those are a gift. It is not a burden for us to give that to you. It is not like, oh, I hope nobody takes all these Bibles. We have given away hundreds, probably thousands. We buy them 250, 300 at a time, and we have to buy them every so many months. It is our joy so please take one of those. If you want something leather-bound because you feel smarter, uh, we have a shelf, and you can, uh, you can purchase those for whatever we purchase them for. There's no profit made on that. We'd love you to take it. This is actually a library rather than a book. It is 66 books all bound in this one binding. The first 39 books of the Old Testament, the, the second set or is of 27 is the New Testament. So the Old Testament is the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, promising that through that people a Messiah, a Christ, a Savior would come. And the New Testament <clears throat> is about when that Messiah comes, that is Jesus. So when Jesus comes, your calendar switches from B.C. to A.D., and your Bible goes from the old law, the old covenant, the Old Testament, to the new law, the new covenant, the new testament, okay? So when you get to the New Testament, the first four books are firsthand surveys or eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We are in John, and here's, here's one of the unique things about John. John does something that no one else in the Bible does. John has the distinct privilege of introducing Jesus. Now, everything else kind of starts with the assumption that there is a Jesus and the assumption that everyone already knows about who he is. But John introduces Jesus. Can you imagine having that task? Can you imagine introducing Jesus? I've been trying to imagine that this week. You want to hear what I've come up with? All right, let's do this. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, in the bottom corner, you have the terror of humanity, the master of destruction, Satan. And in the top corner, wearing white, soon to be stained with blood, he heals the nations with his words. Out of his mouth comes a sword that will destroy. He is undefeated in every single battle. 
Every Lord calls him Lord. Every king calls him king. He is the only hero to have ever died for the villain. He is the source of all things good. What Abraham couldn't do in making a godly nation, he completed. What Moses couldn't do in bringing the children into the promised land, he finished. What David couldn't do in becoming an acceptable, righteous high priest, he accomplished. He fed 5,000 men and their families with only a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. He walked on water. He turned the most disgusting ritual hand-washing water into the finest wine. He walked through fire just to show his friends he would never leave them. He raised a man from the dead. He died for the most sinful, dishonest people. And three days later, returned from death, defeating sin and death forever. And billions await his return. The one and only Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Messiah. And that's not all. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you that John will do a much better job than what I do. John chapter 1, verse 1. This is profound in so many ways. I want you to hang with me. I'm just going to read five verses. We don't have a lot of scripture. I have two that I will point you to today. Write them down. You have a note section. Uh, please write these down. I want you to go home and check all of these passages. Always, always, always uh, go through and check uh, the Scripture because God has things to say to you. I'm your cheerleader, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you personally. You do not need me to read you the Bible. He is going to speak to you all week long, okay? So I encourage you to get in your Word to read that. Now, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Already, do you notice anything there? In the beginning, where have I heard that before? Be thinking about that. Anytime you're reading through the scriptures, where have I heard this before? And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. This is good. Now, let me, let me break this down for just a moment. Now, keep in mind that when we read our Bibles, this is an English translation of your Bible. Now, we have uh, original, um, well, I say original, we have manuscript copies of, of all of these texts. See, we bound this into one thing and called it a holy Bible. But before, you would go to a temple, you would go to a synagogue, and they would have copies, and they were 
meticulously taken care of. And I've shown, I've, uh, I've gone through this with, uh, with you before, but, uh, but we can get copies from all over the world, and the way that we know that they match the original source is the, uh, the congruency of these copies. And, and the Bible is the most preserved book in all of antiquity. It's just absolutely incredible. But, but it is not originally written in English. Uh, you have Probably some of you may have a, a, a Spanish version of the Bible, and, and the same will same will be uh, true for that. But I have a CSB Study Bible in my hand. It's the Christian Standard Bible. Some of you will have New American Standard Bible. Some of you have the New International Version of the Bible. What all of these do, almost all of these. There's a few that are kind of, mm, but almost all of these are going to go all the way back to the original. Uh, for us, the original language that the Bible's written in, and they're going to translate that for you into English so that you can understand it. Now, uh, the original language, the Old Testament, is almost all in Hebrew, okay? So that was the original uh, language of who you know as the Jews. So before uh, before kind of the, the New Testament, right around the, right around the time of Caesar, they were not known as Jews, but they would have been known as the Hebrews, right? The Hebrew-speaking peoples. And it's because their language is Hebrew. So uh, the Old Testament is in Hebrew, a little bit in Aramaic in the book of Daniel. And then when you get into the New Testament, uh, this is written in Greek. So the passage that we are reading was originally written in Greek. And there are some Greek words that are hard to deal with. And if you'll notice, can we throw up John chapter 1, verse 1? Again, if you'll notice, in the beginning was the Word. Do you see anything unusual about that? Well, Word, yeah, Word is capitalized. Why is Word capitalized? Well, see, in the original language, uh, it's not in the beginning was the Word. The, the, the Word that we translate from Greek into English, and we call it Word, is actually Logos. Now, this should sound fairly familiar to you. Uh, because we use a lot of derivations and variations of the word logos, okay? Uh, in fact, one you see all the time. Now, can I, can I get the graphic up of the Woodbridge Church? This is our logo. The word logo comes from logos. So this is our word, <laughs> but not really. This is our logo. This is our logos. And see, uh, Chris, uh, I actually had a, a professional design this, and then uh, I came here and I met with Chris McCormick, and he had designed the exact same logo. It was really incredible, but this is it because we're the Woodbridge Church, and so the Woodbridge is the cross that Jesus died on that is the bridge between God and humanity, right? And so the logo is in the bridge here. And so that is here, and it tells you sort of at a glance what we're all about. We are about Jesus being the way to the Father. And that is in our logo. So the word logos could be translated in a few different ways, but I like to say it is logic. So the English word logic is also going to come from logos. Think about it. The logic of who we are is in our logo, right? The Logic. What is our purpose? That is our logos. Right? So this is a very, very much an oversimplification. But logos means your logic. 
your logo, your purpose, your reason. And it does also mean word, but it doesn't mean the word audibly. It means the meaning behind the word, right? So your logo is literally going to be a spelled out word, but what does it mean? That's the logos, not the letters themselves. It's the meaning behind the word. Now, John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm wearing Andrew out on the computer back there, and I'm sorry, but John chapter 1, verse 1. Well, let's go back there. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was your logo. In the beginning was your logic. In the beginning was your purpose. In the beginning was your meaning. Think about it for a moment. We are stepping into a season where hundreds of movies will say, and that's what Christmas is all about. <laughs> and Jesus is what Christmas is all about. Jesus is what your life is all about at some point in here. See, I have a theory that at some point, regardless of who your family is, who your culture is, your relationship with God, your religion, your beliefs have to become your own. You have to get for yourself a logo. You have to have a logic for you. Otherwise, you're faced with this question, why am I here? Why do I exist? If there is a God, why did he put me here? What's the purpose in my existence? Well, in the beginning was your logic, was your purpose, was your reason for being here. And your reason for being here, your logic, your purpose was with God. And your purpose was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who was your reason for being here? Your reason for being here has always been here. All things were created through him. All things were created through the one who gives you meaning and gives you purpose. And apart from him, apart from your purpose, not one thing was created that has been created. Jesus is the Word, the Logos. It will go on to say, and I believe it's verse 13, uh, and, and, and the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your purpose, your reason, why you exist, took on bodily form and came to the earth to be with you, to reveal to you your purpose, to reveal to you why you exist, to make you understand in human form why he created you. So what is the logic behind you? What is your purpose? What is your reason for being here? What is the point in your life? John says, it's Jesus. Jesus is the point he created you, and he has been beckoning you. But you don't understand, Pastor. I've had disaster in my life. 
I can't tell you the reason you've had disaster in my life. No more than I can tell you why I can't make my own tears. If you didn't know that's the real thing, I, I don't have like lubrication in my eyes. I don't know why. The Lord does. I don't know why some sort of disaster has struck. We lost a, just a great person this week. Very young. Hearts are broken. Why? We will never know the answer to that. What we do know is that she had a purpose. Is that there wasn't no reason for her to be here. There was a very good reason to be here. And that if she accepted that reason, that she will be united with that reason. That her purpose will now be in full. She will now have a complete understanding of why she exists. She will now have a complete understanding of love. She will now have a full relationship with the Father. She gets to meet Jesus, the one who created her, the one who formed her to love her. Why did it happen the way it happened? I cannot tell you that, but I can tell you what is her purpose. So, let me ask you, do you have that purpose? If you believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, I believe that you have purpose. I want to ask you, and this is rhetorical, you don't have to answer me out loud, but do you believe that? Do you believe that the Father has created you for something. He didn't make you and go, no, what am I going to do with this? He is not surprised by your existence. He was anticipating your existence. He knew your existence in the beginning. Time doesn't exist to him. Or he is not, I, I, I would say time is not that time doesn't exist. He's great at timing. He's just not subject to timing. He has known you all along. You are not an afterthought. You are not here for no reason. And my question is, do you believe that? Followed by this question. Let me ask these. I'm going to ask you three questions in sequence. What is the point in you being here? What are you doing and third, does the point in you being here and what you're doing actually match? Well, well, well what is it? Okay, fine. He made me for a reason. He made me for a purpose, but I still don't know what to do. I don't know what the point is. I wish God would come down and tell me he did. <laughs> he actually did. Why won't God just send someone out of the sky? to speak? He, he did, and we murdered him. But before we did, he told us exactly what we were supposed to do. We have two things in the Bible that are listed for us. One is a great commandment, and the other is the great commission. The great commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Those are your commandments. What am I supposed to do? Don't you ask me that. You already know what you're supposed to do. How? We can work on that. Why? Because he's your purpose. But don't ask me what. <laughs> Where do you know what? 
He gave us a great commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. Okay? The second was he gave us a great commission. He said, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go into all the earth, making disciples, baptizing in my name. We are supposed to go grab people and make disciples from those that we love. Love God, love people, grab those people and show them how you do what you do. And you're like, well, I don't even know if, listen to me. I know you don't have it all together. I know that we are a bunch of broken pieces helping put together other broken pieces. Some reason, for some reason, that is God's plan all along. If you think that you have to have everything together before you can serve God, you will never, ever serve. You need to be following. There's a great difference between perfection and following. See, I stumble and fall and trip. I've even possibly fallen off a few cliffs on my following of Jesus. But when I get back up, which way do I go? That determines whether or not I'm following. It's not perfection. It is following. Can you follow? Sweet. Take someone with you. Take someone with you. If you don't take the person next to you on your journey following Jesus, let me tell you the stark reality. No one else will. You are the... Please... You are the most important person in someone's life. This is not a motivational speech. I am not Matt Foley and I do not live in a van down by the river. You are the most important person in someone's life. And if you're not yet, you will be as soon as you begin to follow God. He has a work for you to do. Remember, it said, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. I asked you, have you seen that anywhere else? Where did you see that? Genesis, very good. In the beginning, God. But he says in here, nothing that was created was created without him. What does that mean? That means in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Through whom did he do that? Through Jesus. Was Jesus in the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All over the Old Testament. In fact, in the first couple of verses, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit right there. They have always existed. We can talk more about that later if you have questions, but I want you to go with you to Revelation chapter 2. As I was reading this, it reminded me of a passage because uh, there's, there's a famous pastor, and he always says this. He says, I live most of my life as a Christian atheist. I believe God existed, but I lived like he didn't. And I think that we have all been guilty of that, and I have to give myself that heart check all the time. If there really is a creator God, if he really did send his son, his own likeness, his own spirit in flesh, to sacrifice himself so that his sacrifice could pay for my sin, my sin that separates me from God, getting me to God, then what am I going to do about it? I can't really believe that and do nothing about it. And for most of us, we have been put here 
to love God, love people, and disciple. And you say, I love God, but can you be actually condemned for that? It's another way of saying that. Is there evidence that you love God? If you were on trial for loving God, would there be any evidence? Well, you can't judge me. I'm not. I'm just throwing that out there for you to have. That's, not my, that's way above my pay grade, whether or not you love God. But it reminded me of this passage in Revelation. John, again, writes this. John wrote the book of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he wrote Revelation. He wrote five books all together uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But this is what he writes in Revelation chapter 2, verse 3. I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. John is quoting Jesus. This is in red when you read it in your Bible. Red, red words in the Bible mean it's a quote from Jesus. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. It is a common experience for a Christian. I would say, I can't apply that to everyone, I think it is a common experience for the American Christian to come to a point where you say, yes, I believe that God exists, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and to be pretty fired up about that, and then as we begin to follow the culture, we begin to take on that version of a Christian atheist, where I believe this, but I'm truly not doing anything about it. And, and when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in Asia in, in Revelation, he calls them out and he says, I know that you've done some really good things, but I have something against you. You've lost your first love. Your first love, your priority love, primary. And so I, I sort of put my I'm not saying I'm saying as an American Christian, we sort of put in our back pocket, it's good enough just to say, yes, I believe, yes, I follow Jesus, but we're never really any threat to Satan. We've never really shown our love to the Father. We've never worked on our relationship. We've never loved someone who didn't deserve it because the Father loved me when I didn't deserve it and I wanted to be like him. We've never really taken someone under our wing and discipled it. And truly, those are the only things that we're told to do. In the church, the only other thing you're told to do is take the Lord's Supper and get baptized. He didn't leave us with a whole lot of stuff to do. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. That's what we have to do. And when I look at it, do I love God? Absolutely. Am I Christian? Absolutely. Am I going to heaven? Absolutely. Have you done one single thing that God has asked you to do? Not one time ever. <laughs> And, and, and he held this against the church. He said, repent of that and have the love that you once had. Have the fire that you once had. Come back to me. I have more for you. I am a good father. You think your dad knows how to give presents at Christmas? You know nothing. And so while I don't have everything together and I can't make everyone here rich, I can't make everyone here well, I will tell you that I have not, since I accepted Jesus 
Uh, for sure at 17, I don't know. I, like, I got baptized when I was six, ran away a little bit, 17, and started serving God, and I've done my best to serve God since then. Since I was 17, I have never, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. This is not a boast. This is from the Lord. I have never wondered why I'm here. I have never questioned my purpose. I've questioned a lot of things. I've had a lot of turmoil. There have been hard times. There are things I do not want to go through again. There are things I still don't understand, but my purpose is not one of those. There is a reason that you are here. And you see an us and them situation where there are people who were called to this and called to that, and they're good at these things, but I'm not good at those things. That is straight from Satan. The Father has never told you that you can't be used, that you just have that personality that can't make disciples. He's never told you that. That is nowhere in the Scripture. You have had nothing come to you. You've had no one prophesy that over you. And if it did, it was straight from Satan. You have had no one tell you that. I would tell you the same thing I would tell any Christian that I tell myself all the time. Do what the Father tells you until he tells you something different. But we've stopped running the race. We have believed a lie about ourselves. We've believed that somebody else is going to have to do that because I'm just not equipped for that. I'm not called for that. I'm not talented for that. And we believed that, accepted it, and we stuck Christianity in our back pocket, and it stopped being your first love. We stopped pursuing it because we believed a lie that that's for someone else, that that is not for me. That is not from God. And that will lead you away from your purpose. Well, my purpose is to provide for my family. Absolutely. To provide spiritual nourishment for your family. <laughs> well, my, I'm, right now, I'm just really focused on, on my music. I'm really focused on my sports. I'm really focused on all these things. <gasps> Why do you have that? Why do you have that talent? Whose is that? Who gave that to you? If I brought a family up here and there was a 16-year-old child struggling with their parents and being completely defiant to their parents and, and they'd say, well, I can't, I can't take their phone, I can't take their car because I gave that to them and that's theirs now. What would you tell that parent? Well, you better wake up. You better raise that kid. That's not love. That's hatred. You think a good father won't do that? Tell that kid that's not their car. You pay for that car. You, you're making the payments. You're paying for the insurance. You take those keys. That car doesn't belong to them. That car belongs to you. Until they can make it. Who do you think gave you that talent? Who's it supposed to be used for? I'm paying for your car, and I need you to run to the grocery store and get a loaf of bread. You're going to the grocery store. I gave you music ability. I gave you the gift of gab. I gave you compassion for people. Some of you are just like, oh, I'm just such a freak. I stay up worrying all the time. I worry for everybody. I worry for everything. Who gave you that? Somebody needs somebody in their corner who's going to pray for them continuously. That's you. Open hands, because it was never yours. 
Your talent's not yours. Your kid's not yours. Your money's not yours. Your house. Man, you need to have people over your house. You need to be cooking for people. Why? And then they're yours. And here's the thing about a good father who loves to give gifts. He just keeps putting more in. This is not prosperity gospel. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And it's going to be the best of you. Have you lost your first love? Maybe it's this. And, and this is common, and it's okay if it's you, because it's been all of us at some point. It's not, a place of, it's not a place of judgment. This is a place of encouragement. But we have to talk about some of these common things in life. We have all been sort of down at some point in my office. Oh, I'm still on the screen. We've been off sometime, and we go, okay, there's, there's, there, there's a place. I'm sort of at a low point in my life. And you can tell me. I don't, don't think about it right now, but we've all had a low point, okay? We've all hit a low point. Some of you are like, dude, you, <laughs> I hit a low point and dug a ditch. Okay. Okay, and you needed to get up, right? And so how did you get up? For most of us in this place, how did you come to a saving knowledge of the Father? And you're going to tell me some version of how you came to that through pain. Now, some won't, but the overwhelming majority will say it was through pain that I came to the Father. Worship team, you need to come up, please. That was tacky, wasn't it? Will you please come up? We say... I need to get to the Father. And so what we did was we start following Jesus. We start reading our Bible. We start praying. And we try to get closer to the Lord. And in the end, once we get out of the hole, once we're no longer at the bottom, we stop doing those things. And what you have is not a relationship with Jesus. You have a religion that you used as a stepping stone to get yourself into a better place. And God knows the difference. And the Lord knows the difference. If you know when you're in a rebound relationship, so does he. And so he tells us, return to your first love. Make me number one again. I want to be your priority. So, return. How? This is profound. Are you all ready for this? Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church and be the church. You're already killing it. You're doing one of those already. Get on your knees and say, God, please speak to me. Open your Bible and read. He will. If you don't understand, man, call a friend. Look through here. Somebody who is speaking to Jesus, has a relationship with Jesus. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at my friend Linda right now. Just, uh, dude, I wish somebody would call her this week and say, how do I get something out of this? There's so many people in here that I, I just, man, I wish that you would call them. They have so much that they want to give you because the Lord has just filled them to the point that it is pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Have everything together? Absolutely not. But have the overwhelming urge to share this because this is the best thing in their life, and they want you to have it because they don't know what they would do without it, and you need it. I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you. I want you to read. I want you to get on your knees and pray. How long do I read? How long do I pray? Pray until you've prayed. You know what I'm saying? 
Pray until you have met with the Father. How long do I read? Until you got something. Five verses, five chapters, five hours, five minutes, five, five seconds probably pushing it, but you know what I'm saying. Read until you got something. Pray until you've prayed. Be the church. Love on people. God is going to, God is going to bless these things. God wants something so much better for Ranger, and you are the catalyst for that to happen. You are, as my friend Randy says, you are Jesus with skin on it. You are the Jesus with skin that will go to your neighbor that, that you, man, you are the most important person to someone. And I'm telling you that you will find that when you follow. In the beginning was your purpose. And your purpose was with God. And your purpose was God. He's still your purpose. Okay? So we're walking into a season. If you struggle with that, maybe some of you are, are dealing with some seasonal effect disorder. The days are short and it's been cloudy outside and you are just like going crazy. I understand and I'm not telling you not to go get help. You guys know that I'm an advocate for counseling for all of those things. But don't leave your purpose and expect to be energized. Remain in your purpose. Run to your purpose. Run to the Father. Don't be a Christian atheist. Because you're going to miss out on the best part of life. Last thing, if I bought you a new video game, and you, <laughs> this is old, I nearly said, and you plugged it in. You don't plug video games in anymore, but if I bought you a new video game, and an old Super Nintendo to plug it into. And, uh, and, and you plug it in and it comes on and you turned it off. Yeah, you would have the game. You would have received the gift. But you would have missed all the joy. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never followed him, you just got Super Mario Brothers and you hadn't even tried the first level. Playing it's the fun part. Pursue Jesus. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for your people, God. I pray that you would just speak to us, that you would speak through us. God, there are so many ministers in this place. There are so many people who just have profound thoughts and gifts, God, that you have given them. And Lord, I want them to use it for you. I want them to experience the joy of being used by Almighty God. Lord, you are our purpose. You are our reason for exist. You are the one who created me, and through you, I have purpose, God. Through you, everyone in this place has purpose. And so we praise you for that because you are mighty. You are good, Father. You are the author of everything that is good, and I know that you have good things for us, God. I pray, Lord, I know there's a lot of people going through a hard time, and God, I pray you will hold their hand through this. I pray, Father, that you will take them through this season because, uh, God, even if you didn't create the season, you will walk with us through it just like you did your friends who were in the fiery furnace, God. You could have just saved them from it. You could have put out the fire, but you went to the fire with them. So, Father, God, I pray right now that we would just, even if it's on a spiritual level, even if somebody right now physically feels somebody hold their hand, I pray that we would uh, feel you holding our hand as we're in this fire, God. Just, just be with us in, in this way and help us to reach our community for you and through your love and in your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You got a connection card uh, in, the, in the back of the seat that's in front of you. And uh, man, 
fill that out. We want you to slip that in the basket. The baskets are going to come up. In fact, baskets, go ahead and come up. Uh, and so put that in there if you want us to pray for you, any of those things. If you want to volunteer for any of the stuff, man, throw that in there. But, um, but better yet, we have a prayer team. Prayer team, would you stand up and please uh, come forward? We have a prayer team. They're going to be here as, when service is over. Please come up. They would love to pray for you. It's, it's their absolute joy. So uh, we would love to pray for you, but please stand and worship with us now. Thank you.